Hey there, it's Lisa from the Culinary Chronicles podcast. On this show, I will interview people from all walks of life about their food experiences and culinary journeys. Food, feeding my loved ones, sharing meals, and the conversations and love that fill the table are what this podcast is all about. My father was a butcher, my uncle a baker, and my grandmother's after-school snacks were always a delightful Sicilian treat. I've always celebrated with food and found gathering around a table the most amazing feeling in the world. Culinary Chronicles is my way of sharing this love of food with you. I hope this podcast fills your cup with entertaining tales about the love of food. Okay, I am so happy to have you on the show today, Hope. Welcome to the Thank podcast. You. Thank you for joining me. Um, I wanted to just get started to say, you know, I've admired your work and your family life and all the fun stuff that you've done in the past few years since I've known you. But I wanted you to give our listeners a little bit of a, you know, introduction to who Hope is and kind of um, where you came from and what you're doing and all the fun stuff that is happening in your life right now. Oh, where to start? Well, first of all, thank you for having me here. I'm really keen to see uh, where this creative project goes. And you know me, I always love to hear about food adventures. Um, my name is Hope Patterson, and I would call myself a global nomad, which means that I have grown up in a number of different places, originally in the UK, then moved to Canada. I've lived in Southeast Asia a number of times, back to Canada, then back around the world, and landing again in Canada now, in Quebec. I'm a mom of two kids, Alfie and Sophia. Uh, I am a coach. I am in education innovation, and I'm also an entrepreneur. I think that that, uh, along with being a mother, that's just who I am in everything that I do. And I would say that what I'm really passionate about is um, witnessing an emergence of self-empowering and self-managed models in the world. There is really so many more ways for people to learn, for families to carve out different lifestyles, for people to connect on a global web, on so many different platforms globally, in person and online. And I'm devoting my work and my life to designing and facilitating um, authentic spaces for inspiration, growth, and transformation. So that's, that's who I am. It has taken me all over the world. And I would say that food has been my willing sidekick uh, and a way for me to connect with people on all of these projects. Eating together with people, eating with my kids, I would say is the common thread in everything. I love that. I've got goosebumps. I love it. I love it. And I, I, I read this big poem about gathering and gathering is so important. It's so innate in our behavior. And, you know, that's what everyone does gather. That's the community, the conversation, the table, the food, the sharing. Whoa. That's how life works as gathering. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Tell me, oh, my gosh, all these different countries. Like, how do you nourish your family daily? Like, do you... You, do you just open the fridge and guess what's in there or do you plan or do you get inspired by cookbooks or places you've traveled? Like, how do you feed your family daily? Um, well, you know what? When I started thinking about how I nourish myself and my family, um, obviously food is an integral part of that. I was also thinking that I think of nourishment as 
our rhythm in a family. And what I have learned over the years is that every few years, my little family of four, we disconnect from the pattern of living in a city or living a certain way, and we change up our rhythm. Um, so this has meant that we took the kids out of school and traveled when they were three and five for six months. Um, and that really helped them explore and be exposed to all kinds of foods. So it was our, it was our family rhythm, but it was also food was a really big part of that. It was part of their education, their palates, their exposure to different cultures. Um, and then again, in 2018, when they were eight and 10, we took our kids out of the pattern in Toronto, around the world, and exposed them to all different cultures, all different foods, a different way of learning. Um, and we keep doing that every few years. And what it does is it grounds us, it brings us back to understanding what matters for us as a family, how we connect with each other, how we connect with ourselves. And food is always a part of it. So now when we are back in Canada, food takes us traveling when we miss it. So some weeks it's like, oh, I miss Japan. How do we bring Japan back in our life? And our daughter will be like, let's make sushi or let's pull out the seaweed or oh, I really miss Indian food. I miss, you know, going to those far-flung places. Let's start making curries. So I would say that our way of nourishing really comes back to our rhythm as a family. And we can always travel, we've discovered. Sometimes it's just through our tummies as opposed to traveling around the world. I love that. I love that. And and I want to I want to just say that your adventures with your kids has inspired our family. So we are planning for a global adventure yeah, in the next, next yeah, years. in the so next few years. So that's kind of a goal that we're working towards. And it was inspired by you and another family that kind of did what you did. And and um, just thinking that, you know, so many, so many factors. Life is too short. Yeah. The model that we've done doesn't really serve us. We are lucky to be entrepreneurs to kind of be able to to do this kind of thing and just yeah ex exposing my son to the world and different cultures is something that I've always wanted to do and I wasn't sure to do it and then seeing you and your family do it has inspired us so thank you for that um, I'm so thrilled you, it will produce dividends like you won't even imagine and food is is definitely one indicator when you see your kids being open-minded and available to eating food, to trying food, it means that they're more open-minded in general. I just use food as an indicator, but it's a really cool thing to witness. And I think that we're instilling that in our son right now because he does love so many different types of food. He tries everything. Mm -hmm. um, like last night I said to him, do you want the pasta with pesto or without? Because we made pesto from our own basil from our garden. And I... I was expecting him to say just plain with butter and cheese. And he said, no, I want to have what you guys are having. And I was like, okay, good. And we've gone to restaurants this summer and he's had oysters and he likes oysters yeah. and stuff that, you know, as kids, we were probably just preemptively said, oh, those are gross. Whereas we didn't say anything. Do you want to try these? And he just loves yeah. the salty, salty taste of it. So it's kind of magical to see that, you know, kids can explore. Oh, my goodness. A world um, of exploration. Yes. I love it. So tell me, how do you work in meals? Like, how do you plan meals? How do you kind of feed your family on a weekly basis? Is it 
Do you plan it or do you open the fridge and kind yeah, of? Yeah, I think it depends on the week. I, I've had some really plenty weeks where I cook on the Sunday and I'm very organized. I think food, again, for me, is an indicator of the vibe of our family or the season. So when we're super busy, food gets more convenient, which means I might cook in batches and we eat, you know, more like sauces and uh, leftovers and chilies and things like that. Um, when we're feeling super creative, which is often like springtime, I notice that we're trying new things. There's like all sorts of new recipes being tested. Um, so I, it changes. And I would say that recently in the last six months, our daughter, Sophia, she's 13, who's taken some of your cake baking classes. She now does the meal planning, which is so cool because I am very busy with work and both kids, I think they miss how active I was in the kitchen and I'm just not. And so they're like filling the gaps. She is. She's filling the gaps. So that. she's coming up with ideas and giving us shopping lists and then she'll take the lead. Oh, yeah. Sophia. So Sophia, wonderful. Can you just tell me a little bit about how when I connected you to my family who lives in Sicily, how your adventure went there? I don't want to give it away, but I would love for you to describe that experience because I feel like this is the goal for when you travel with kids. You don't need to have the same language or you don't need to feel comfortable. You have to do something that's a little oh, bit I'm different. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, it's one of my most favorite food memories of my whole life. So thanks to you, I got to live out a dream, which was on our year of travel as a family. One of our stops was Sicily. And I've always had this dream of cooking with a nonna in Italy who's super experienced. We don't have to share the same language, but we share the language of food. And to come into their kitchen and be welcomed in and eat and cook and just have the most amazing time. And you made it happen. I remember thinking, who do I know? Who do I know in Sicily? And I asked you and you said, I have family. You can just visit them. Um, and so we drove our little Fiat 500 up this hill to your family that welcomed us in all the generations. We had the, I think it was your aunt and her husband and then their parent, their mother, who was in a little bit infirmed, but in the family. There were the younger kids. There was just lots of family members. And they had planned this incredible day of cooking. And it was like way more than I had imagined possible. She, she cooked, I still remember, and I have some great photos. She cooked this meal of pasta and this beautiful baked eggplant and this tomato sauce, and we mixed it all together. And then the kids grated cheese on top. And then we made these foil packets and baked them in the oven. And she had Alfie cooking um, pecans with egg whites and sugar and cinnamon and a bake, baking bread in the oven. And it was like there was no English and, and we don't speak Italian, but we had the most interactive day. Alfie turned to me and he said, Mom, why don't you cook like this? And I was like, Alfie, I cook like oh, this. Gosh. I always cook. <laughs> no, but she's like giving me an apron and getting me into it. And I'm like, but I, I give you aprons and I try to get you into it. But the fact that it was your amazing, charismatic relative who was speaking to him in Italian, he was just like, I want to do this all day. It was so cool. And you how long did you oh stay? God, we did arrived you stay in the forever? morning. 
And we left late in like late, late, late afternoon. We ate all day long. They took us to a vineyard and their farm. And after eating all afternoon and then having more food, they packaged up all of the leftovers, which was a lot, <laughs> jammed it in holes in between our legs in our tiny little car and sent us on our way with like all this food left. And we just, they treated us like we were family in a way that just blew our minds. So thank you. Thank you. I still look at those pictures and the kids Aww. still talk about it. Yeah. I love it. We're going there. We're going yeah. there soon. And uh, we've already requested the same experience. I'm like, I want the whole Patterson <laughs> experience, please. So yeah, I'm excited to see them. But yeah, I remember you guys FaceTiming me and being like, I don't, we don't understand what they're saying, but you guys were like laughing and singing and yes. did your husband, My husband do has a little has a funny alter them? ego in his French Canadian accent. And he, we did a video, which I'll send to you. We did a video of him with his special guest, who's your cousin. And she's speaking in Italian. He's got a French Canadian accent and she wore a mullet wig. She was like, sure. And there was no language exchanged at all. She was like, that's great. It was, it was so good. And oh all gosh. around food. So funny. There you go. Like food is the, the glue. And it was the perfect example of like all you need is food and laughter and there's connection immediately. Yeah. And just like that spark to say, you know, a friend yeah. of mine is coming. Can you host them? It didn't, it could have been like yeah. 10 minute tea, tea hosting, but it turned into something yeah. so magical. So yeah, I'm so grateful that. They you both had that experience because they loved it. They still talk about it. You love it. And oh, it my makes goodness. Me so I think happy, they could maybe so. even have a business where they can families in. Exactly, right? Well, what it exactly, does, right? Like, what it does silly is it experience. people. I think there's many North Americans. And like I was just saying, when we're in the convenient mode, food doesn't look very sexy and it doesn't become exciting and it doesn't feel as delicious. It could be the same recipe, but it's like pared down to this like, tick off that box. And I feel like when you get to land in other cultures or have experience where food becomes this beautiful ex moment of connection, you're like, I think I want more of that. And I think exposing kids to that is they know it's possible. So hopefully they create it in their lives. Yeah. And in our family, Sundays was the tradition. Like yeah. somebody's cooking all day. People are watching soccer on the telly. They're yeah. like, it's the whole ritual of being together and everyone participating and someone making the salad and chatting and catching up from the week. So I think we've even lost that in our family, that Sunday tradition of Sunday pasta dinner, which was like a whole day affair and quite, you know, the grandmother playing cards, doing everything together under the same roof. So yeah, I think that's something that we should strive to kind of get back to, especially because we're all so busy and that theater. makes it, you know, the theater of food, like the preparing, the setting of the table, the music, the hanging out, the chatting. Um, so yeah, I love that. So this leads me to my next question. What was your favorite? It could be more than one, but like where have you and Charlie or you and your kids had like a magical meal, like set the stage for us? Where was it? What did you eat? Who was there? There's a few. And I feel like the one that pops to mind immediately is in Istanbul. We have friends who run an incredible travel company around food called Culinary Backstreets. And they were living in Istanbul with their two kids. And when we brought our children, age three and five, 
to travel around Turkey, we wanted them to get a sense of what Turkish food is like. And so our friends said, why don't you do one of our culinary tours? And we were like, with a three and a five-year-old? And they were like, yeah, just, just try it. Trust us. So we started uh, with a breakfast at eight in the morning. And it was in this beautiful square in this old building with traditional Turkish architecture, lots of geometric shapes. And, and there was this white tablecloth table with this incredible Turkish breakfast, which I don't know if you or your listeners know, but Turks take their breakfast very seriously. There is like usually three or four jams. There's a couple kinds of breads. There's olives. There's usually like onions, tomatoes. There's some feta or a couple of different kinds of cheeses. There's often honey. There's eggs. So it's like this beautiful array of textures and colors. And that would have been enough for our day. We eat it. And the, the guide, <laughs> that's it. That the guide like is the like, wow, this is how we yeah. eat breakfast. And the kids are like, well, that tour was great. And he's like, no, we're just getting started. So after that, we get up and we start to move through the streets, which if you've ever <laughs> been to Istanbul, it is heaving. It is so immense uh, with lots of little corridors and tiny pathways and, that open up to big neighborhoods. And we went through the day, Lisa, of eating kind of back and forth between savory and sweet. We tried homemade Turkish pizza. We did the sort of fermented yogurt drink. We went into these incredible dessert places where the kids tried like what's like phyllo pastry with all sorts of honey, kind of like baklava, um, to spicy kebabs, to it was, it was basically like one thing after another. And it was unbelievable. And oh at about two in the afternoon, I think we must have tried, I don't, I don't know, 12 different things. Alfie, my three-year-old and I were like, I can't eat anymore. This is fun. But and Sophia, being Sophia, and Charlie kept going. And they went to another, I think, four or five places and had fish and shrimp. And so that was the <laughs> most amazing food uh, experience as a family that we, wow. we kind of go back to over the years and say, remember when we and the kids just so was that yeah. like a nine to five yeah. thing, like eight to four? And they they do these tours all over wow. the world, but it was it's one of those situations where you think your kids are too young for something, and they're not. They're as you know they'll participate in. They keep going. They keep going. Um, and Turkish food remains Sophia's. I love that one of her top three in the world. Yeah, nice. What's her uh, top? Well, it changes monthly, but Korean is right up there. She's that's her favorite. Right now. Oh, nice. Just all about Nice. What's your I top love food? Lao food? I lived in Laos for years and I just, I love, there's something about the food that just speaks to me. Um, they eat sticky rice, which is this steamed glutinous rice with all sorts of delicious spicy salads and grilled meats, uh, lots of mm. herbs. Um, they are truly organic. Everything is grown with the highest soil quality and um you just feel great eating lao food so lao food is is my favorite wow i don't know if i've ever no. had lao food there used to is be a there used to be a restaurant in toronto, in toronto. you or... kind of have to hunt for it and it's it's mm -hmm. thai food is is more easily accessible it's sweeter it's more like people know what pad thai is and thai curry but lao food is 
is um, they use fish yeah. sauce, so it might be a bit more funky for some people. It's spicier. Yeah. Cool. If you're interested in learning the baking basics behind making swoon-worthy cakes, I invite you to join our six-week online cake and buttercream course, which can be taken from anywhere in the world. Class starts every other month, and in these classes, you will make new connections and learn new baking and cake decorating skills. With weekly live Zoom meetings with our chefs, you will discuss your progress and your homework, and you will be on the road to becoming the cake decorator you've always dreamt of being. Training from our expert chefs teach you proven foolproof cake basics. This course is broken down into three different parts. Part one, cake. You will learn the science of baking cakes and test out your skills by baking six different recipes. Part two, buttercream. You will dive deep into the wonder of buttercreams, testing out the most popular icings. Part three, decorating essentials. You will learn to stack, mask, and comb your cake to perfection. This space is filled with supportive, collaborative interaction and access to a fully immersive learning experience to transform the way you bake. You can find the link to join our classes in the show notes and use podcast 20 for 20% off. I look forward to baking with you. So tying into the educational stuff that you're working on now, and I know you're consulting and you're doing all these amazing things about alternative education, which is something I'm super fascinated and excited about. Um, You spent a year in Bali. Tell me, like, what's the food like there? Because I'm sure we don't have the same type of food here as there when you go to like an Indonesia restaurant here. But what's the food like there? What's the school like? Tell us a little bit about like that Um, scene. Well, I'll, I'll start with the food. I have to say, Balinese food is not my favorite at, at all. There's the, the common food is basically rice and a whole bunch of curries or different things to put on the rice. And I just okay. didn't love the flavor profiles. A lot of deep fried. The flavors were all kind of the same and you weren't quite sure what was what. Um, we didn't actually eat a whole lot of Indonesian food. There was one dish that's very popular called babi guling, which is like a spit roast pork and with a lot of skin and crispy crackling and fat and it's not for vegetarians. Um, Yeah, we ate really well in Bali and we didn't eat Balinese food. We ate all of the other foods. I would say Bali has some of the greatest restaurants I've ever been to. The freshness, the quality, the variety. Fantastic pizzas, incredible uh, vegan, vegetarian restaurants, juice bars, quite healthy. If you would like healthy food, Bali has um, just a huge selection. So that healthy stuff that I'm always seeing yeah. about Bali, like the bowls Absolutely. with all the fruits and all, is that more of like a Western influence? Yeah, it's like all the healthy with Bali. Like yeah. bowls of mango. It's Australia because okay, Australia is okay. so close and they have such a big food scene that they've really informed what's happening in Bali. And then I think because there's such an international community, some people love Balinese food and they eat a lot of it, but a lot of people choose to eat, especially if you're there for a long time. You can have sushi because they have great fish. There's Indian food. You can basically find anything in Bali. But the food actually at the school we went to, the Green School, which was the reason we moved to Bali, uh, it is a school made entirely of bamboo with no walls in the jungle of Bali. Uh, that was opened by a Canadian about 13 years ago. 
Yeah. I, I yeah. did not know he was a jewelry designer. And yeah. only 13 years? He was a jewelry years? designer. Um, and he and his oh. wife sold their jewelry design business and had two young children. We're like, what are we going to do for school? He was watching, he watched The Inconvenient Truth and thought, how are we educating future change makers? What are we doing to actually shift education? So he started with his lofty goal with this idea of how about we create a physically beautiful space that ignites imaginations, spurs creativity, attracts, you know, amazing teachers from around the world and makes Bali a destination for education. And so he started and over the years they've grown and shifted and changed and we landed year 11 in 2019. And uh, to see this school is to believe it. It is like nothing else you'll imagine. And I think for everyone, grown-ups and children and teachers, it was, it's such a, a way to blow open what's possible. I think if school can look like that, both physically and the model, and one of the coolest things related to food for this school is they have a whole development kitchen that's open to the students. So Sophia in grade six took part in this huge R&D lab where they were using local produce grown on the grounds, their coconuts, their cashews, to make organic milks out of these items and turn them into products. So then they had to go through the development process in grade six, come up with a product, price it out, develop it, test it, and then sell it to their fellow students and make money. So they're very entrepreneurial and it felt um, very connected to the earth as well, making sure that the kids knew where everything was coming from. And I think Sophia really understood food from a different perspective uh, after being part of that. And do they do mainly plant-based to kind of live off the land? Or do they? Yeah, that's great. And then you said Sophia had a project where they had a food truck. So was that, that was part of this, um, this club at the Green School. She would have to, one of the projects was come up with the product that you're going to sell at the food truck. So she went through with the, the support of these amazing chefs and local cooks to come up with a series of products that she had to produce and then sell at the truck. And it was for her a light bulb switch because she was like, oh, you don't just eat food, but food is, can be part of this whole chain of events that produce something at the end, a delicious thing and income. Um, and it can feed back to the earth yeah. if you're using good ingredients. Amazing. And it doesn't just come from like the grocery store. Yeah. Like you can see where it comes from the cycle of like that coconut is from that tree totally. and now it's on my plate yeah. and now the skin is, yeah. you know, I love yeah. that. And that's amazing. Every day the kids would Ugh. eat the locally produce food on banana leaves. Everything was about sustainability and thinking about the earth. So that was, wow. that was really cool. Cool. They should have a school like that for adults. Can. Why can't I go to that school? Like, you can. Why the can't thing we is, enroll? I would say I? the green school is even more impactful for the parents and the students. Because really, do you participate yeah. in all the activities? And you basically then? drop your child so. off at school and then you stay there and there's a co-working space. There's workshops all day long. It changed the parents' lives more than the children's, I think, which I think has greater long-term impact. Wow. If you land there for a couple of years and your kids move to a different school, your family culture changes by being part of that. 
and having the parents involved was key. Right. So do you think the age that you you were there with Sophia and Elsie, do you think that's the age think or any age? Because, you know, we were thinking seven years think old. But seven's that, great. Seven's great. I think any age, I think if you're ready, seven's a, a wonderful age for sure. Yeah. And could you stay longer? Like how? No. Is it a one-year thing? That you, you, one year could do it. One year could definitely could you... shift things. We were there for one year and we wanted to stay longer, but COVID happened. So we came home. We'd actually signed up for more years oh. um, and we came home to be with our family. Oh. And to be honest, our kids yeah. are missing it. Sophia at 13 is desperate to go back. So we are going in January to... Oh check out Bali, see our friends. And the green school is one model, but there are so many things happening in education on that island that, uh, yeah, we just have to get back. And why is it? Is that the Australian influence? Like, why is that such an island for diverse I think Bali is a methods? really like, magical place to land. The Balinese culture is like anything else, like nothing else, rather. They are, a, they're Hindu and they are I would say some of the most loving, kind, generous people. And they enable or allow people to land and really be themselves. And there is a, a real sort of focus on gratitude and appreciation and reverence for nature and the cycles of life that I think a lot of people who are going through changes and transformation gravitate to, they call it Mother Bali. And Mother Bali basically pulls the right people there and people start new businesses. They, you know, change happens. It's a very fertile landscape for entrepreneurs, creatives, people who are moving through change in their life. So it makes sense that education has such a stronghold. Yeah. For sure. I love that. Hope, it's been so wonderful to talk to you. We have so much more to talk about, so I think we might have to continue this at a later date. But thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge about food and education. And if people want to reach you or know more, how can they find you or what? We'll add this in our show notes too, but tell us, like, how can they get more information? Sure. They can find me. My website is Hope Patterson, H-O-P-E-P-A-T-E-R-S-O-N dot C-A. That's the easiest way. All my social channels, Instagram. I have a private Facebook group um, and a, a cool network for families hunting for new models and resources for lifestyle and education. So it all is in my website. I look forward to connecting. Great. And we'll add some links to maybe a, a great Lao, Lao recipe. Uh, if I, I will share. Right. I've got one on, on an old <laughs> blog that's a true favorite. It's great. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I'm so grateful for your time and friendship my over pleasure. the years. And um, your kids are your kids are my favorite, and your husband is quite. Let me know if you ever so, want pictures uh, of uh, of the Sicilian adventure. Actually, yeah, I can include that in the show notes. I think I just have like the the memory of the. I have some videos, amazing I have photos. photos so you have really amazing ones. Okay, so send me uh, some photos. I'll we'll send you follow-up links, and I will. Show. Yeah, and I'll, I'll we'll be okay, in touch. Perfect. Good luck with everything. Okay. You are amazing. All right. Well, and if you Thank ever you want to so talk much. Green School or Bali yeah. or family travel or anything, I, I do. Am, uh, I do. I'm tapped in. So you just let me know. I do. We we have it on the cards for seven years old, but we need to now start, I guess, planning and how old is he? or any of that fun stuff. So we should. Oh, you got four. Lots of <laughs> 
You are Do good. Okay. You are so good. I'm so happy to hear that it's well, a Canadian it's business. I have no sold, clue. It's sold to a Chinese company, and they oh. have expanded to South Africa, okay. New Zealand, um, Tulum, Mexico. So it's a different thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. All right. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks, folks. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of Culinary Chronicles Made with Love. Before you go, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcasting app. For more information on the show, visit ladolching.com. And for more behind the scenes, follow me on Instagram at Lisa Sanguidolce.